We're going to have to do better than that. All right, I'm preaching hard today. Here we go. All right, so here, here is the joy of moments like this, is we get to celebrate what God has been doing, how he has been moving. And how, how are we going to do that? How are we going to celebrate that? How are we going to look back on that? We're going to do it how we do it every week. We're going to open God's word. Amen? Because God's word is what gives us hope. God's word is what gives us guidance. God's word is what reveals what he has like and what it looks like to follow after him. So if you have a Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be looking at this passage where this, the Apostle Paul, who went around planting churches, he planted this church in Corinth, and then he reminds them, he's reminding them of the work that God has done. They, they start to get off track. They start to think pretty highly of themselves. And so, so he's drawing them back. So if you have a Bible, turn there. If, if not, we're going to put the verses on the screen so you can follow along. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Remember what it was like when you first came to Jesus. Remember what it was like when you were first brought in to, to, to fellowship with the church. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Like, remember where you were at. Like, you weren't impressive. Like, why do you think so highly of yourselves right now? But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing... Uh, bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So that nobody would look around and say, man, look how amazing we are. Look, look at the wisdom. Look at the strategy. Look at the way we built this. No, no, no. That no one would boast in those things. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so what, as we come and we celebrate and we look at all that God is doing and we have a grand opening and we have baptisms and we have food, all this stuff, we need to remember that we boast in Jesus. This is all for him. This is all from him. This is all because of him. We exist as a church to lift up and glorify the name of Jesus, nothing else. That is what we're doing and that's where we're going. And so look, it's exciting. The momentum of what's happening, the excitement, the impact, the reach, the influence. It, it's incredible. But we have to understand and remember it's not because of anything great we've done or because we are great. It's because he is great. Amen? It is not because we're innovative. It's because God is faithful. He constantly is calling the uncallable. He's constantly using the unusable. He's constantly loving the unlovable. And so we as a people, we celebrate and we boast in Jesus. That's why we're doing this party. That's why we're having this grand opening. That's why we're having this celebration, to boast in, celebrate, honor, glorify Jesus. And so if you know a little bit of our origin story, um, you know, like, how much this has all been Jesus, right? So let me, let me walk you through. So a, a, couple, a couple pictures that I think will be helpful. This was the week that we planted, right? And so the night before we planted, we were like, we should, we, I feel like we should have signs. Do you feel like signs are a good idea? Let's have signs. And so how do you draw a circle? My wife literally took a lampshade off of a lamp in our apartment and was drawing circles. That's church planting 101. Everybody knows that, right? This is me 
the night before we planted. Like, if you ever want to enhance your prayer life, try getting a kid's printer to hook up for kids' check-in. That is a, that is a moment right there. I was, I was lead church planter slash kids printer technician. Okay? And then you see in the back, uh, see all those boxes and stuff like that? That's our kitchen and our one-bedroom apartment because we were planting a church, but we didn't have anywhere to store anything. Where do you store all the stuff you need? You, you store it in the kitchen, right? That's, that, that's where it is, okay? So then our first ever service... Here, here I am. Apparently, I was 14 years old, all right? Like, like, what the heck, right? So we had about 115 people come to our first service, and then we grew that all the way to 40 at our next service, right? Like, where, like, should we start? Like, are people still parking? Like, what's happening, you know? And, like, you walk in, you see this baby face assassin, you're like, I don't think, I don't think I'm ready for a youth group, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just move on, you know what I'm saying? Or, and some of you are looking at it, and you see, you see that sign in the back, you're like, is it, like, does that say restroom? Yes, that does. That's because if you had to go to the restroom while I was preaching, you had to walk on the stage and walk behind me. It'd be like being like, hey, everybody needs to reuse the restroom. There's a door right back there. Please turn the fan on, right? And we'll, and we'll, and we'll keep going. This is what we were doing. Um, and, and even our systems were chaotic, okay? Uh, we took offering. And we didn't have anything to put it in. And so uh, we, Chris Cutchell wrapped it in a paper towel. That's not a joke. That's literally like how we're like, well, wrap it in a I was like, I am going to take a picture of this because I feel like we need to remember it. And then we had our first baptism service, and we were going to do it outside in July. It was going to be amazing. But that July, I kid, that day, I kid you not, uh, the weather changed, and it was going to be a lightning storm. And we're like, well, we don't want to baptize people straight to heaven. And so, so we took it to the basement, right? And so we had this baptism in the basement. It was amazing. It was, it was wonderful. But then we didn't plan on, like, we knew how to get the water in. We we did not plan on how to get the water out. So that's Dave Gray, one of the people who planted with us, with a office trash can scooping water out of our baptismal. We had no idea what we were doing. But hey, you know what? At least we had a logo, right? We had a cool logo. And so if, as long as you have, as long as you have a, a, a cool logo, um, you can be able to, you know, show what, where we're at. I didn't even realize this until about seven years in. I misspelled church. It says, Rise City Chach, right? How do you misspell the one thing that matters, right? You walk around and people are like, what's with all the R's? That's the R that was forgotten when we planted. That's what it is. It's not for Rise. It's the R in church. Like, this, this was our story. And then a few years in, um, we, I don't know if you heard about, but we bought a skating rink, Right. And uh, we, got, uh, we got the keys on October 31st, uh, Halloween, and we started walking. Uh, me and my wife and our two kids, we, we just walked in. And I, just, I remember, I, like, I'll, I'll just randomly film things without any plan on showing. You know, it's not because I'm trying to show anybody. I'm just like, this is a memory. And so I captured this memory, but I wanted to, sh- I wanted to share uh, th- this moment with you guys. So this is me and, uh, and, and w- kind of walking around the building. Well, it is... October 31st, 2018, and this is the day we bought a skating rink. Feels like that movie, We Bought a Zoo. And this is the day Jesse's also an owl. Halloween, okay? <laughs> and Hey, what do you think of this place? It's cool. You want to have church here one day? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Emma, what do you think of this place? Um, awesome. Yeah, I think it's awesome too. And the best part is it needs absolutely no work at all. We can just spray, spray down some cleaner. <laughs> this is our origin story. This is, this is where we came from. Let me, let me read a passage for you again. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Why? So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, it, what, what the impact that is being had. The influence, the growth, none of that is because of strategy. None of that is because of systems. None of that is because of personality. It's because Jesus rules and reigns in this city. And he promised he would build his church and the gates of hell would not stand against it. That's what this is a testimony of. We are a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody. That's who we are. That is what it means to be a church. And so we will boast in Jesus. But, but also, I need you to understand and know, like, this is not some accident. This is not some random happenstance. This is a group of people who have radically dedicated themselves to follow what God has for them. He has worked in us, and he has worked through us, but there has been a deep level of intentionality of following after him. And so, again, part of that story was we started, uh, we started to gain some momentum, get some growth, reach some people, and we, were, we constantly were outgrowing spaces, doing multiple services in the evening and random spaces. And so we started to prepare ourselves, saying, okay, God, we, um, we feel like you're calling us uh, to plant ourselves permanently here in this city. And so we started to raise money because we thought we were going to buy, we thought we were going to lease some kind of warehouse somewhere. Uh, we were looking at it to lease a 10,000 square foot warehouse. For context, this building is 30,000 square feet. And so we started looking, we couldn't find anything, we couldn't afford anything. And actually the owners of Skate World, the, the family that built this building, they were believers, they were Christians. And so they heard we were looking for a space and so they reached out to us and they were like hey you want to buy our skating rink and we're like we don't know like we don't have money like what are you talking about and the very day the very day that they approached me a, a, a donor in our church approached me and said hey if you find something to buy we'll give a million dollars towards it yeah, that was my reaction, and I peed a little, right? You know, I was like, holy smokes, like God is moving. And so we were casting this vision and this call, and in two and a half years, we started saying, hey, what, why? What, what is the vision? What is the purpose? Why, why are we moving in this direction? And so we actually had a number of people in our church sit down, and we asked them, what, what, what would this bring? So this is five years ago that they shared this vision, I, I, and I want you to watch, and I want you to see this. Uh, I, did, I just see Rise being a big part of the Gresham community. Uh, I feel like we're going to continue to see, like Amy said, new faces and people we recognize around the city. And um, I just, I see our church being a staple in this community for hope for people that are uh, lost and broken and uh, just a place where life can be found again. Yeah, I think I would definitely say just being a, just a prominent role in the community. So when people think from Gresham, they like it's synonymous with rice. I think that intentionality is pretty big in seeing what it can look like at a small level. So it's really exciting to see like what is that going to look like when more people are continuing to saturate and to rise up and to really be involved relationships with the people around them. Oh, I think we're going to outgrow our building in time. Yeah, I think it gives people a confidence that we're going to be there every week. You know, it's it's not a question of, oh yeah, but they're just renting that space, so who knows where they're going to be. I think it would just create like a, a new environment that would be just fun and exciting and 
especially for youth group because right now it's where we're at is a blessing but to have our own like facility would be great just because uh, I think we can do more there and reach more people. We've already done so much in the past two and a half years and I'm excited to see in the next two and a half years what we can do um, with, with what we have. A lot more chairs being put out <laughs> from week to week we're already doing so. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd like to see the new building here in the future and to see ourselves established in a certain location where we're, like, it shows that we're like permanent and we're not going anywhere. You know, I'd also like to see some, some positive change in, our, in the city of Gresham as well. I mean, I think the city as a whole is on the rise and I, and I just, again, I think our church being here, I hope, I hope that we can play a huge part in that. And five years later, it's just a joy to celebrate what God has done. Why did we plant this church? We planted this church because our city needs the cross of Jesus. That's what we preach. That's what we bring. Earlier in this letter, Paul says, the cross to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. It makes no sense. But to those who believe, it is the hope of God. And so this is why we preach the cross over and over and over. This is why we keep coming back to the person of Jesus. In our society and even in church culture, we honor things like how brilliant somebody is, how strategic, how much influence or power do they have, what is their societal status, okay? But and there's two dangers to the gospel in our own lives. You know what the first one is? How highly we think of ourselves. Like, we look at ourselves and we're like, we kind of, I mean, look, compared to them, like, we kind of got it together. I'm smarter or, or better or richer or more civilized or more advanced, more progressive, more conservative. Our arrogance is a poison to our soul. You know why? Because not even we can live up to our own expectations of goodness. And so when we're trying to be good on our own and we're trying to carry these things on our own, of course we can, we, we crush, we fall under the weight of it. We need the gospel. We need one who is better. We need Jesus. But there's also a danger on the other side. When we look down upon ourselves and we say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm unlovable. I'm unwanted. I'm forgotten. I'm ignored. I'm unworthy. And let me tell you, the gospel is Jesus showing up and saying, I have something to say about this. And, I, and what I have to say on the cross is that you are worth dying for. That is your value. You are created in my image. You are my child. And so we come to the cross. The cross is the great equalizer because the ground is level at the cross. All of us, we need the gospel of Jesus. None of us are so good and so righteous and so holy that we are beyond the need of Jesus. But none of us are so wretched and so broken and so beat down and so sinful that we're, we cannot be healed by the cross of Jesus. So this is why, as a church, we are all about Jesus. This is why we will preach with everything that we have. This is why we will declare with our lives, Jesus, 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 Jesus. What does Paul say here? He says, and because of him, you are in Christ. Because of God, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. And then look at these three things, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. These words are vital to understanding the importance of the gospel. In Christ, you are righteous. You know what that means? 
means that Jesus has fulfilled all the obligations of our relationship with God. He has held up the end that we could not hold up. And so we can be right with God. It says that he became sin so that he can give us his righteousness. The way that Jesus lived. How perfect he was, his glory. When the Father looks at us, if we are covered in the blood of the Lamb, that is what Jesus, that is what the Father sees. He sees his Son, dearly loved, holy, and righteous. But he also, in in Jesus, we are being sanctified, which means more and more and more, we are made into the image of Jesus. We, we, We are becoming more and more like Jesus, more loving more patient, more pure, more gracious, more forgiving, that, that the, spirit, the fruits of the Spirit can be on display in our lives, not because we're trying harder, but because we're surrendering our life to Jesus. Therefore, we can become more and more in his image. And then lastly, the word redeemed. That word means to be the price has been paid. We were trapped in our sin. We were trapped in our brokenness, and we have been set free by Jesus. We've been set free from the penalty the price of our sin, and we've been set free from the power of sin. In Christ, it no longer has control over you. It no longer has power over you. And ultimately, in eternity, guess what? We're set free from the presence of sin, in His holiness, in His goodness. Uh, Think of it this way. I was uh, flying from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, to Portland, and I was stopping in Dallas, and, and, and whenever I'm in a different city or state, I always want to, like, experience the food and the culture, and so right before we got on the plane, there was this, like, bomb-looking Philly cheesesteak place, and I was like, that looks incredible. I want that in my belly, right? And so I, I, I ate it, and then about, like, an hour into my flight to Dallas, I was like, I should not have put that in my belly. Like, I do not feel wonderful right now. Start sweating, like, just getting warm, just like, I do not, this is not going to go well. And so I made it to Dallas, and then I got off the plane, walked around, drank some water, got some fresh air, and I was like, okay, I, like, I, I think I'm feeling better. I think I'm pretty good. And then got on the plane from Dallas to Portland. And about an hour into that flight, I was like, this is not going to go well, right? And immediately, like, I, I was like, I, like I'm going to throw up. I need to get to the bathroom immediately. So I say to the guy next to me, I, I was like, hey, man, I need to get by. And he sees my face. He sees the sweat. And he sees, he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then the, the guy next to him on the end has, like, a laptop open. He does not understand the seriousness of the situation. Like, he's like, okay, hang on. He's like saving his Microsoft Word document. You know what I'm saying? He's like, hang on, let me update Windows real quick. Like, you know, I'm like, bro, get out of the way. So finally, he closes. I get past him, and I start running down the aisle. It's like a scene out of a movie. And and the flight attendant, she sees me, and she just screams, get in there, (laughs) right? She knows. Well, I get to about the third, fourth row, and I was like, this is coming up. Like, this is not, this is not going to be well. But I I have a good strategy. I'm going to cover my mouth. So like, well, it, yeah, it has like a sprinkler effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what they paid for those first few rows, but it was not worth it. Let me tell you that much. And I'm just like, I'm throwing up all over the front of this plane. And she's like holding the door open, literally shoving me in the bathroom. And then I'm like, continue to throw up in there and I get done. And, and like, you know, I finally am like, like, what just happened? You know what I'm saying? Like that feeling. And I was like, here, here was my only thought. I don't care. There is no way I am walking out of this bathroom <laughs> before this plane lands. Like this, is not, like, this is not happening. It was a complete, and uh, like all my shame. 
in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Where you're just like, what, like, what have I, the mess that I've made, the embarrassment, all, all this stuff. And, and so it's not like those bathrooms are like equipped for like cleanup, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, a tissue, like a thought of a tissue, like the little croy of toilet paper, you know, is what they have in there. You're like, it's just like literally melting as you're like wiping stuff off. And so I'll probably about 30, 40 minutes go by and it's pretty clear like this flight attendant needs me to get out. And so what, what I expect I'm going to be walk into is I'm going to walk out to, to faces angry at me in a complete mess that I have to just sit in front of everybody and I need to now clean up this mess that I've made. But what happens is I walk out and this, this, flight, this angel of a flight attendant, she has, she has cleaned up the whole mess. Like she, in my shame, in my, this complete mess that I made, something that I couldn't clean up on my own, she came and she took care of it. See, this is the gospel. In our shame, we think, how can I make this right? How can I fix this? How can I, how can I, how can I just run and hide and no one sees me again? And yet Jesus, he comes along and, and he, he cleans up the mess. This is the beauty of, this is why we preach Jesus, is he's our only hope. And that flight attendant, she puts her arm around me, and she just looks at me, and she's like, are you okay, sweetie? And I'm like, I am so sorry. I am so embarrassed. And then she looks me in the eye, and I'll never forget what she says. She goes, would you eat a taco? <laughs> and I was like, no, a Philly cheesesteak. She's like, you ate the wrong thing before you get on a plane. <laughs> this is why we preach Jesus, because Jesus is our only hope. First Corinthians 2, 1 through 2 says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What we're doing here is not about lofty speech. It's not about eloquence. We are always only fully, clearly, exclusively about Jesus. This is what we're doing as a, ch- as a church. So Paul comes to Corinth, right? And he, he, he shows up and he, and he plants for about a year and a half. And, and he's, he's tent making to, to help pay for this during, during this process. And, and while he's tent making, he doesn't come as a philosopher. He doesn't come as a salesman. He comes as a witness, a witness to the glory of Jesus. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What do we need? Do we need to have our life together? Do we need to have all the right answers in our head? Do we need to be wiped clean? No, what we need is Jesus, and that's what our city needs. And so as a church, what are we doing? We are bringing Jesus. Mere intellectual persuasion does not save people, right? Fancy buildings and good music, it does not save people. Delicious coffee and dope swag and cupcakes and photo booths, like all the things that we love and we have fun with, that's not what saves people. What saves people, saving faith is produced by the heart-changing power of the Holy Spirit as the gospel is proclaimed. So this is why we preach the gospel. This is why we move forward in this call that God has for us. This is what we do. We will preach the gospel. The sun could go out and we will preach in the darkness. Every church around us could close down, and we will stay open. We will preach the gospel because that is the only hope that this world has. There's this old quote 
says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And it's like cute. You're like, oh, that's cute. Guess when words are necessary? At all times. Because what is the gospel? It is good news of what Jesus has done. It's not some kind of good act that we, if, hey, if you're good enough, if you live this way, if you're righteous enough, then you can be saved. No, the gospel is good news. And so we as a church, we will always preach the gospel. We will bring the power. This is why our church exists, is to make Jesus famous. To make much of him, and in doing so, to make disciples of Jesus. There's a story of these Christians from the 19th century. They were, they, were, they were American believers in the 19th century, and they went to go visit London, England. And uh, they had some friends there that were like, oh, man, while you're here, like, you need to go see these incredible preachers. There's two incredible preachers they need to see. So Sunday morning, after the arrival, uh, these Americans, they went and attended this guy, Joseph Parker's church. And they discovered his reputation of being this eloquent orator. He, like, he lived up to his reputation. Like, they were like, this is incredible. And so walking out, one of this group of friends declared, I do declare, it must be said that there is no doubt Joseph Parker is the greatest preacher that there ever was. We've never experienced anything like that. And so later that day, they wanted to actually go back to his church and hear him again. But their friends were like, no, 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 like, there's another preacher we want you to hear. Like, go listen to him. And so they, those believers, they showed up, and they went and listened to Charles Spurgeon. And, and they showed up to Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle to hear where, where Spurgeon was preaching. And they, this group was not prepared for what they were going to hear. And so when they walked out, as they departed, one of them spoke up. He said, I do declare it must be said, there is no doubt that Jesus Christ is the greatest Savior there ever was. We are not building a name for ourselves here. Like, this is not about a logo. This is not about a mission statement. This is not about a building. This is about the person of Jesus and the body of Jesus. And so we want to build on that and we want to live on that, right? This is where we're going and where we're in our, our world. It feels broken right now, doesn't it? These last two years, we did not expect to ex experience and walk through a global pandemic. Like we kind of thought we were beyond that medically. No, we have all the things we need to prevent this kind of stuff. And we have been rocked by it. Right now, where, where are we at over these last few weeks? We're we are rattled as we enter into what may be the next great world war that we experienced. Something that we ignorantly thought we, were, we had progressed beyond. Like that barbaric savagery of war, we've progressed beyond it. And now we're walking in it and experiencing it. The, the, you feel it. When you have conversations with people, they are beat down. They are exhausted. They are isolated. They're walking in fear. Even in our own community. Listen, just a few weeks ago, there was a family, a dear family of our church, who four days in lost their little girl, little Annie Rao. Four days after she was born. It's tragedy, and we grieve, and we mourn, and we pray. Even this weekend, there's a gal, the, the gal who owns and founded Country Coffee, Melanie. She, she tragically passed away this weekend. She has so much influence on so many people in this church and connection in this community. It's this heart-wrenching thing. Like what, like, what do you do in those moments in the face of death? In the face of grief, in the face of fear and confusion. See, what we need in the face of death, fear, uh, grief, and confusion is not mere consolation. That's what we try to do. Hey, it's okay. 
Or there's a reason that this all happened. Or it's all going to be okay one day. We console people. Consolation offers nothing when grief is stricken the soul. When fear, it, it, just saying words that make me think it's like, oh, it's okay, or there's a reason, or what, like that does nothing for me in the face of grief. Well, you know what I need in the face of it? I need resurrection. I need to know that there is an empty grave, that Jesus conquered over the darkness and the evil of this world, because that is my only hope. That is all that I can walk in. There is a king who reigns and rules. He's a resurrected king, and he's resurrecting you and me. He's making all the sad things come untrue. And one day we will be with him face to face and there will be no more war. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more abandonment. And it is only in Jesus that we have that hope. Amen. They joined you on that one, man. This is why. The focus is always only fully, clearly, uncompromisingly, exclusively Jesus. Everything we do is for him. It starts with what he's done for us. We love him because he first loved us. He calls us to respond. It's Jesus whom we are leading people to. And it's the work of Jesus is how we get there. There's no hope without Jesus. But with him, the church can be the hope of the world. It can be the light of the world. It can be the salt of the earth. It can be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. If we would make much of Jesus, if we would give him all the glory and praise and honor. See, we we start to, churches get caught up in this thing where they think, okay, the gospel is where you start, but then you got to move beyond it into other things. And you get caught up in these other things and these things that divide us. Hey, who are the churches that we should disagree with? Or who are the people we shouldn't listen to? And we get distracted. And we think maturing in Christ is about going deeper than the gospel. But, but that is a grave misunderstanding. Maturing in Christ is about the gospel going deeper in you. It, it's about the gospel penetrating every area of your heart and life. Understanding that the gospel has something to say about your marriage. The gospel has something to say about your anger. The gospel has something to say about that wound you've experienced. And so every week that we gather, we want to go deeper in the gospel. We want it to, to penetrate through our, in our hearts and our minds. See, Jesus loves us so much that he left the side of the Father. Perfect, eternal intimacy with the Father. And he leaves the Father to come. And enter our brokenness and our shame. Jesus loves us so much that he faced all our pain and sin and brokenness head on. Jesus loves us so much that he endured the cross on our behalf. Jesus loves us so much that he raised from the dead and now offers us his life and his righteousness. And it's just crazy to me how often people reject God because of the brokenness of his followers. Listen to me, if you're waiting for a church to let you down, like it will, right? Like I would love to say we got burritos and donuts every Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Like come, come join the party. Like we will let you down. You, you, you start and you're like, this is amazing. This is great. Like we're fallen, broken people. You realize that, right? Like if you find a perfect church, please do not join it. You will ruin it. <laughs> And yet, for some reason, 
We allow the followers and their sin and their failure to determine whether or not Jesus is real and authentic. Like, are you kidding me? That is so backwards. But you're missing the whole point. When you see the brokenness of a church, when you see the brokenness and failures of a pastor, when you see the brokenness of brothers and sisters in Christ and where they fall short, it it points to their need of the gospel. It points to their need of Jesus. That, That even that deplorable, unforgiving sin can be forgiven in Christ. And if he can forgive them, he can forgive you. That is why we preach the gospel. That is why we build on Jesus, not ourselves. Because it is all, always, only, ever Jesus. Exclusively. Uncompromisingly. And we will not apologize for that. Look, in a minute here, we have some brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to enter these waters for baptism. And what they're doing is they're making the declaration that they have found Jesus. They're making the declaration that they can't do it on their own. See, we, we sometimes show up to church and think, okay, I've got to have it all together. Make sure you tell everybody things are fine. Smile. Ah, too blessed to be depressed. <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> Guess what? We're broken. But we're also healed. And we're being healed in Jesus. And so it is him we give glory and honor. And, and how is someone saved? Let me ask this. How is someone saved? It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know what the day of salvation is? It's today. And so, like these brothers and sisters who are getting ready to go get baptized, man, maybe today is the day you join them. Either you've never put that, made that public declaration of faith, or you've been following Jesus and you've never gotten baptized, man, I I just want to invite you. Even if you didn't prepare yourself, like go to the next steps area, right out those doors. And we would love to walk with you. We we can prepare you. We, We have clothes for you. But to make this declaration, no, my life is built upon Jesus and nothing else. Because that is what matters. That is what we live for. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5, Paul says this. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. See, we like to think about some of these heroes of the faith, the Apostle Paul, Peter, the founders of the church. They were going around and they just were incredible orators and they were courageous and they were fearless. And that's why the church grew. He's saying, no, no, no. Like I was weak. I was afraid. I had trembling. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It wasn't about what I was doing. It was about what the Holy Spirit was doing in and through me. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, here's what we need to remember is that Jesus will win the city. Because it's not reliant on us. It's not reliant on our wisdom and our lack of fear, and our eloquence, and our strength. It's the power of the Holy Spirit moving through his people. See, I will never forget that day eight years ago walking down that aisle. Like I, man, it's just this crazy experience. I remember walking down and getting to the front, standing in the front, and looking around. I'm like, well, I guess I'm a pastor now. (laughs) Like, what do we do from here? I was overjoyed. I loved it. 
my very first message eight years ago on this Sunday. We're, we're going through a series called Rise Is. And the first message was Rise is all about Jesus. And eight years later, it is a joy to say that is absolutely true to this day still. But the other emotions I was feeling, like I felt completely inadequate. I felt insufficient. I felt overwhelmed. I was like, like, what have we done? <laughs> and as I was feeling all those emotions, you know what God's message to my heart was in that moment? Good. Because I'm not building a church on you. I'm building it on my son. He's the cornerstone. See, what's changing hearts and lives is not our words, though we want them to be true. It's not our music, though we want it to be beautiful and celebratory. It's not our welcoming spirit or our engaging conversation. It's not our outreach strategy or leadership development systems. What's moving hearts and transforming lives in the city is the Holy Spirit's work in and through his people. That's what we're experiencing. That's what we're seeing. And a gospel movement in this city is not going to come about by a new system or new technology, but by a demonstration of the Spirit's power in our lives. That's in your life. If you would but surrender, if you would but allow him to move, he will do so much more than we ever imagined. Even before the first service, I'm standing in the back, somebody comes up to me like, did you imagine this? And it's like, absolutely not. I did not imagine eight years in, this is where we would be. But God did. And we're just called to walk in obedience and let him use us however he may choose. See, think about this moment in time, what is happening in our world. It's been said that there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. We feel a change over these last two years that has rattled us. We feel uneasy. And those around us feel it too. But I need you to hear this. God has chosen you for this moment. Of all humans in all of human history, God has chosen you to be his people, to be his church in this moment. He's chosen you to lead. He's chosen you to love, to be on mission, to obey to reach out, to invite, to proclaim, to heal, to walk with, to give, to pray for, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. He has chosen you. And if that is intimidating and overwhelming to you, good. Because you are not capable, but he is. And what we need, church, is people surrendered to the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it says that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So we can look around 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and be like, this city is flipped upside down. And the only possible explanation is a movement of God through his church and his people being surrendered. And so Jesus, he's going to bring hope and he's going to bring healing to the city. I know he will. He's going to raise the spiritually dead to life in this city. He is going to restore marriages. He's going to welcome children. He's going to heal addicts. 
He's going to set people free. He's going to love neighbors. He's going to clothe the cold and naked. He's going to feed the hungry. Jesus will win this city. And how is he going to do it? He's going to do it through his church. If we would give him the glory, give him the honor, give him the praise, and lift up his name. Jesus, you are so worthy. You are worthy of this celebration. You are worthy of this laughter, these smiles, jumping around, clapping. It is all because we celebrate you. We revel in you. We desire you. And Lord, would you equip your church? Please never let us get off track. Become overwhelmed with numbers or spreadsheets or strategies. But we would be a people so saturated in the gospel in our own lives. So soaked in your love and grace and goodness that we want to follow after you. Jesus, would your name be famous in this city? When people think of this community, would they think, man, that's that city with those crazy Jesus people. That's what we want and that's what we desire. All to your name and to your glory. Amen.